All right, I'm going to read a few verses of Scripture to you from Joshua chapter 3. We're talking about crossing over. Last week we started talking about crossing over, and we talked about the fact that we are crossing over from the wilderness into the promised land, that the Jordan, the River Jordan, was the boundary marker between the season of wilderness and the season of promised land, the season of promise and the season of fulfillment, and that as a people, we've constantly said, one day God will do this, one day God will do this. And last week's sermon was called, No More One Day. Yeah. Now it's today. Yeah. God told the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow God is going to work miracles among yeah. you. Yeah. And so it was bringing an end to the season of expectation that one day and transitioning into the expectation that tomorrow, wow. that tomorrow at about this time, everything is different. Yeah. Everything has changed. Yeah. Joshua chapter 3, verse 3. Uh, I'm going to start at verse 2. So it was that after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Verse 6, Then Joshua spoke to the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Verse 8, You shall command the priest, God is speaking to Joshua, You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. Verse 11, I'm just going to look at a few verses here. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Verse 13, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come from down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. Verse 14, so it was when the people set out from the, their camp to cross over the Jordan, with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away. Skipping down to verse 17. Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Amen. There's something that stands out in this entire chapter. It comes up again and again and again and again and again. That is, for the people of God to cross over from one season to another season, there's a requirement. Yeah. The priests must arise and go first. Wow. Yeah. The people can't go till the priests go. If the priests don't arise, the people remain in the wilderness. And how many places and how many situations do the people remain in the wilderness because simply there were no priests to rise up and go ahead of them? And how many families is there no breakthrough because there's no priest wow. who's willing to rise up and break through wow. ahead of the rest of the family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The priests must arise and go first. Wow. 
And we're at a season right now where we're ready to cross over. But what happens as we seek to cross over in this season will depend largely upon the work of the priests. Depend largely upon whether or not hearts are open within this house, within this community, in both sides of the bay, because this crossing over is not just a physical going to El Cerrito, but there's a spiritual sense in which God is calling us as a house to cross over from promise to fulfillment. But we need priests. Priests on both sides of the bay. Priests on our online campus, priests in different places where the Lord will send us, priests when we go to Indonesia, we need priests to go before us. And so we must understand the work of the priest. What's a priest? It's simple. A priest is someone who stands before God on behalf of people. Unlike a prophet who is someone who stands before people on behalf of God. Yeah. It doesn't mean that prophets don't talk to God, but talking to God doesn't make one a prophet. Wow. You have not acted as a prophet until you stand before people on behalf of God. And it doesn't mean that priests don't talk to people, but talking to people doesn't make you a priest. Until you begin to talk to God on behalf of people, you haven't acted as a priest. Wow. Priests stand before God on behalf of other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not on behalf of themselves, huh. on behalf of other people. You see, most people in the body of Christ never enter into the priestly ministry because we're too busy talking to God about me, myself, and I. Yeah. <laughs> see, when I do stand before God, I stand before him because I need something. Yeah. My favorite prayer is, it's me. It's me, oh Lord, <laughs> standing in the need of prayer. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. my mama, not my daddy, they're going to have to get their own. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. You got to get past the it's me, oh Lord season until we get to the not me, oh Lord. Not me, oh Lord. I'm here on behalf of folks outside. I'm here on behalf of your people. I'm here on behalf of your promise. I'm here on behalf of your community. I've come as a priest. Priests stand before God on behalf of the people, which means that the priests are intercession. Not intercessors. Intercessors are individuals who practice intercession as an activity. Priests are intercession. Their whole life is about standing in the gap between God and people. When you function as a priest, you see miracles happen in other people's lives, and they don't even know it's a miracle. They don't don't even know what happened. You know, my wife told a testimony this morning about when her brother was diagnosed with a particular kind of cancer, and when she heard, her heart broke, and she went into deep fasting and prayer and intercession. She took the role of a priest. She became a priest on behalf of her brother, and then God spoke to her and gave her this powerful promise, and then the next thing he knew, the doctor came back and said, well, you had cancer, but you don't have it anymore. And when he gave the testimony, he was like, yeah, they diagnosed me with cancer, and then they said, you don't have cancer anymore. But you know who knew what actually happened? The priest. Many of you have had that experience where your family members got healed and just didn't know what happened, but you knew because you were the priest. Family members who were protected from danger seen and unseen, and had just they didn't even know they were in danger, but you knew because you were the priest. You see, the priest says, if if you don't pray, I'm going to pray for you. 
If you don't know how to pray, that's okay. I know how to pray. If you don't know the word, that's okay. I know the word. I'm going to stand between you and what the enemy wants to do on your behalf. I'm going to stand between you and what the devil wants to take from you. I'm going to stand between you and be your intercession. That's the priest. Here's the problem, is that the people of Israel had to cross the Jordan, and it took a miracle. A miracle was required for the people of Israel to cross over from the wilderness into the promised land. And whenever a miracle is required, God commands the priests to take the first step. And let me tell you why. Because the primary work of the priest was to carry the presence. Yeah, yeah. Priests, their job was to carry the presence. They were bearers of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth, which represents the presence of God. But if we could go back and become a priest, you wouldn't be looking at the presence of the Lord. You'd be looking at a box made out of wood covered in gold, yeah. meaning a piece of equipment. <laughs> yeah. The job of the priests was to carry around the church equipment. <laughs> yeah. They were the setup and breakdown team. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Come on. Wow. But they didn't look at it and say, that's a piece of church equipment. They looked at it and said, this is how we carry the presence of God. Are you hearing me this morning? Yeah. It was all about the perspective. Yeah. Because if you had the role of a priest, but you had the wrong perspective, you were just carrying around church equipment in the hot sun every day out through the desert. Do you realize that for 40 years, yeah. the Ark of the Covenant didn't float around through the desert? Yeah. The priest carried it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everybody else is just carrying their own belongings and their own chitlins, chit chirins. <laughs> <laughs> but the priests are carrying the presence of God. Yeah. Everyone else is worried about their own stuff. The priests are worried about God's stuff. Yeah, yeah. How many years? Do you know how many years we've had to carry around the church equipment and do setup and breakdown? As soon as we make camp, the priests got to do setup and breakdown wow. and setup wow. and breakdown. Wow. And we've done it for 18 years. They did it for 40. But yet, they never lacked priests. Israel never lacked priests. Matter of fact, they had rules about who could be a priest. First, you had to be in the tribe of Levi. And other Israelites outside the tribe said, man, I wish I could be in the tribe of Levi so I could qualify to carry the church equipment around. (laughs) But you can't get in on this. Only the priests get to do this. It was a privilege. And secondly, you couldn't just be in the tribe of Levi, but you had to be a certain age. So even young Levites grew up going, man, I can't wait till I'm of age so I can carry the church equipment around. But you can't get in on this yet because you're not of age yet. And they were waiting to become of age so they could qualify to carry the church equipment around, but they couldn't do it yet. But you didn't just have to be of age, but you had to sign up for the rotation and it had to be your turn. 
And when it wasn't your turn, you say, man, I can't wait for my rotation so that I can carry the equipment of the church around. But you can't get in on this yet because it's not your rotation. And not only that, you had to retire when you were 50 years old. They had so many Levites, so many priests who couldn't wait to do the work of the Lord that God said, we got to retire them early so that people don't hog their place of service. Because if I let you, you'll hog it until you're 70, 80 years old. And you'll be like, I still got it. I got it. I got it. You're not taking my spot. but you got to get out of the way and let some other folks come in and care. People signed up. We're on the waiting list saying, just put me in. If you got a weekend where somebody calls in sick, call me. Come on, dog. <laughs> Hook me up. Hook me up. Why were the priests so eager to carry the church equipment around? Because they didn't see it as church equipment. Do you know what they called all of the church equipment? The holy things. They called it the holy things. The holy things. The bowls were holy things. The plates were holy things. The cups were holy things. The instruments were holy things. If it was today, the speakers would be holy things. The drum shield is a holy thing. The, 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 uh, that thing is a holy thing. We have the privilege of carrying the holy things. Do you realize that the primary work of the priest was service? And do you know what the word service in Greek is in the New Testament? It's the word latreia. Do you know how it's translated? Worship. <laughs> and there were two different types of worship. The first was latreia, the service of the priests. And then the second was proskuneo, proskuneo, the offering of the people. You see how this works? The priests do their latreia and set the place up. And then the people do their proskuneo and they come in and they bow and they worship and they offer sacrifices and they sing songs and a preacher preaches. In order for there to be proskuneo, there first must be latreia. But the people who come to proskuneo often don't appreciate the priests who did the latreia. And this morning, Sunny and I, we woke up and Sunny looked at me, she goes, today we got to honor the folks who have set up and broke down. Yeah. 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 And I said, you are 100%. Yeah. The folks who over the last 18 years, many of them are not in this place, but they did latreia in this house yeah. so that you could proskuneo in this house. Yeah. Yeah. Every time you came in and got your praise on, there were some folks here early in the morning doing latreia yeah. so you could do your proskuneo 15, 20 minutes late for service. Without the priests willing to do their latreia, there can be no proskuneo. There's no seat set up. There's no sound system set up. And we were thinking back over all of these 18 years. Yeah. We were talking about how we had the bread truck. <laughs> Every Sunday morning, Kevin Carrington went to the lot where he had locked up the bread truck, and it was loaded down with all of our equipment, all of our holy things yeah. in a bread truck. Yeah. We put... We put uh, shelves in the bread truck and marked everything with where it fit and in the exact place on the shelf. You remember that? Everything was labeled because we had to get in and out of there. We were meeting in a movie theater at the time. And we had to be up out of there. And so 6.15, Kevin would pick up the bread truck, get it to the movie theater by 6.45, and it took a team of 22 people 
from 6.45 to 7.45 to unload everything out of the bread truck, set it up, worship team rehearsed at 7.45, service started at 9 and ended at about 11. The first movie started playing at 11.30. So you might be new to the church and you'd come up to the front to say hi and we'd say, welcome, please take this box to the truck out there. It's such a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much for being here. But now you're going to do some Latreia. Please take this, this box to the truck. Thank you so much. God bless you. See, that first Sunday, we put you into ministry right off the bat. We made you, we gave you a priestly duty. Why did the priests never burn out? Because they weren't set up in breakdown. They weren't carrying around church equipment. They were carrying the presence of God. It was the consciousness of the fact that they were carrying the presence of God. That's where their strength came from. That's when the joy of the Lord became their strength. We're carrying the presence of God. The priests who carried the presence through service became acquainted with the power through intimacy. You see, Paul says to never be lacking in zeal, but to keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. It means that serving the Lord is the key, is the key to tapping into spiritual fervor. Which means that you never tap into spiritual fervor until you begin to serve the Lord. And a lot of people think opposite about it, right? We think, well, you know, I'm not really, you know, on fire for Christ right now, so I'm not gonna serve until I get on fire for Christ. Yeah, that's good, that's good. It is the consciousness of the privilege of serving the Lord that opens the door for me to begin to tap into a new place of intimacy with God. And suddenly I become acquainted with the power. And I become acquainted with the power of the presence through service. The priests, first and foremost, were carriers of the presence. They saw their service in the house as a key to their intimacy with God. Secondly, the priests had to take the risk. The priests had to carry the presence, but the priests also had to take the risk. What does that mean? A miracle has to happen. God's got to part the Jordan the way he parted the Red Sea. When God parted the Red Sea, Moses held his rod over the sea all night long. God blew the waters apart. The people of Israel didn't step didn't step out into the, into the Red Sea until it was dry. Yeah. Yeah. Not so the Jordan. Yeah. God says, I'm not going to part it and then you cross. The priests are going to step in. Yeah. They're going to step into the rushing river. And I'm not working the miracle until the feet of the priests wow. enter into the river. Wow. Yeah. You see, coming out of Egypt and entering into the promised land are two different things. Oh, yeah. When they came out of Egypt, they didn't fight. They just watched God work miracles. When they crossed the Red Sea, they they didn't need any faith. Which way are you going to go? Towards the army that's going to kill you or towards the path through the sea? They had no choice. But entering into your promised land takes a step of faith. You got to get your feet wet. You got to be willing to step into a raging river. But God says, no, only the priests. He did not expect the common person to have the faith to step into the raging river. He goes, no, I'm only expecting that of the priests. 
I'm asking the priest to take the risk. Why? Because the priests are acquainted with the presence and the power, and only those who are acquainted with the presence and the power will have the faith to step into the raging river and take the risk. You see, acquaintance with the power gives birth to faith. The faith to believe that the God who brought us out will bring us in. The faith to believe that the God who parted the sea will part the river. And that faith only comes truly in the hearts of carriers of the presence. And what happens when you try to take a step of faith without being a carrier of the presence is you get swept away. Because you step into the wrong river at the wrong time. You're not being led by God. You're not being led by the Spirit. You're just doing something goofy and calling it faith. I just quit my job. Why? Because I got faith. Well, did God tell you to quit your job? No, but I believe. Yeah, you're going to be broke. (laughs) Just go sign up for unemployment. Nope, you can't get unemployment. You just quit. Don't step into the river if you're not a carrier of the presence. If you want to step into the raging river, if you want to be the Peter that steps out of the boat and walks on water, you've got to be a carrier of the presence. You've got to be acquainted with the direction of the Lord. And so Josh called out the priests and said, it's time for you to take a step of faith. You're going to believe when nobody else believes. You're going to fast when nobody else is fasting. You're going to be up in the middle of the night praying. You're going to be at morning prayer. You're going to be seeking the face of God. You're going to take risks, and the people around you are going to be watching the risks that you're going to take. You're going to buy properties that are too big for you, that cost more than you have. You're going to start businesses that are beyond your expertise. You're going to take risks. You're going to step into raging rivers, and everybody around you is going to expect you to get swept away by that river. But as soon as you step into the river, I'm going to part it. Why? Because I need people to see priests. I need people to see the fruit of being a carrier of my presence. I need people to know that there's a reward for righteousness. I need people to know that there's a reward for obedience. They're watching you, and they're going to watch you struggle, but they're also going to watch you break through. The priests know when to step in the river and which river to step into because they're led by the presence, because they're carriers of the presence of God. And so Joshua calls all of Israel, and he says, we're going to cross over. And they say, how are we going to cross over? And he says, watch the priests. Just keep your eyes on the priests. Just watch the priests. What the priests do, you do. Where the priests go, you go. When the priests go before you, and this is the beautiful thing. He's speaking to non-priests, and he's saying, watch the priests and do what they do. And if you do what the priest does and you reap what the priest reaps, you might as well be a priest yourself because you got the priestly blessing simply by following the priest. It doesn't mean that there's two classes of people in the body of Christ, priests who are up here and common folk who are down here. No, 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 no. The priests go first, but everybody goes. You know why we still have a campus in San Francisco? Because we got some priests over there. You know why the pandemic didn't kill you guys? Because of the priests. You need to look around and identify who are the priests in your midst. The ones who stood in the gap for you. The ones who kept meeting and having their own small groups, even when it seemed like the whole thing should fall apart. Churches that were much older and much larger and had a lot more money died during the pandemic, but you're still alive. You know why? Because there's some priests. I tell you what. When there's priests in our midst, everything's going to be all right. 
when there's priests in our midst. Yeah. We're going to make it through any storm. Amen. When there's priests in our midst, you know, it's, it, it's crazy. Years ago, there was a, a, a woman in our congregation. We were having just a leadership prayer meeting, and, yeah. and she comes up to me, and she was from El Salvador, I believe, and she says, Pastor, I'm having a vision. And I said, sorry, that's, that's, that's my, my, anyway, forget my accident. But I, I, want, I just wanted you to get a sense for, like, what it was like, this older woman, and she said, I had a vision. And she's telling us, it was Maura. Yes, it was Maura. And she was, telling, she was telling me this vision. I said, well, just share it with the people. She shares it with the leaders. She had a vision. She said, we're walking on this road, all of us, speaking of our church, our congregation. And she said, it started to get darker and darker and darker and darker. And there were all these exits. And she said, our people were leaving. And she said, and then it got pitch dark. And there was only a handful of us. And we were huddled up together walking through this darkness. She said, but all of a sudden, it started to get brighter and brighter and brighter. And the brighter it got, there were entrances onto the road. And people started rejoining us who had left before, and other people started coming and joining our numbers. And she said, and then all of a sudden, we walked into the brightest light I've ever seen. And there was a multitude of us that could not be counted. And everybody said, wow, amen. I didn't say amen. You know why? Because that meant we were getting ready to walk into some darkness. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, Lord, please let the darkness be what we, are, we just came through. <laughs> you know, I, I prefer the preterist interpretation of this word. We just came out of that. No, 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 no. We, we had not yet seen the darkness yet. But you know what? We were able to walk through the darkness. You know why? Because we had some priests Amen. in the house. Amen. Some priests. Yeah. The priests had to carry the presence. The priests had to go before the people and take the risk. But thirdly, the priests had to stand firm. Mm, The priests, they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They come to the edge of the river. The the river's in full flood. It's a rushing mighty river at this moment. It's not a creek. If God doesn't do something, it's, it's all bad. But the priests carry the presence, so they've got confidence. They're not afraid. They step in the river. The first priest steps into the river. He has to take another step so the next priest can step into the river. He has to take another step so the next priest can step into the river. And it wasn't until the feet of the back priests touched the water that God stopped the river. And now the priests stop in the middle of the river and stand firm. I would have been tempted to just keep going until I got to the other side. I see you all later. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for doing the miracle for me. (laughs) My priesthood would have been over. It would have lasted 45 minutes. Not these priests. They stood firm, carrying this heavy piece of church equipment while 1.5 million people crossed over. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. How long do you think that took? Wow. You think they got tired? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You think their backs hurt? Mm Mm-hmm. You think they wanted to take a nap? Mm Mm-hmm. You think they needed to soak in some Epsom salt? (laughs) 
The priests know their moment to stand firm. Wow. It's painful, but I'm not going nowhere. Wow. I'm tired, but I'm not moving. I wish that this was over, but I'm not moving. Not until every person crosses over. I've been given a watch. I have been given a responsibility. I've been given a place to stand, and I'm not moving until everyone under my watch crosses over. I'm not leaving one family behind. I'm not leaving one child behind. I'm not leaving one person behind. Everyone on my watch is going to cross over before I take another step. I know that it's hard and it's painful, but God set me in this place and I'm not moving. The priests stood firm. Here's what I've seen. I've seen people learn to carry the presence and serve the Lord. And I've seen spiritual fervor build in their house, in their hearts, through the service of the Lord. And then I've seen them get divinely inspired to take a risk. And I've seen God work miracles on their behalf. And at that point, they disappear. At the moment God blesses them, seen it again and again and again. The moment of the breakthrough, the moment of the blessing, thank you, Lord, now see you later. No more time for the service of the Lord. No more time for the people of God. No more time for the worship of the Lord. We got what we came here for is peace out, Lord. I'll see you. Wow. Wow. It, don't go, it does not go well with you. But the priests who stand firm, wow. who stand firm at their place, I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about folks who step down from a particular ministry post. Yeah. Let me just say, there's a season for everything. And sometimes your season for a particular ministry post will come to an end. So I'm not saying like some of y'all are sitting here and you serve so faithfully for so many years. This is not about, I'm not talking to y'all. The the folks I'm talking about are not here. And if you're watching, I'm not talking about you either. Okay. (laughs) So it's nobody here. All right. (laughs) The point I'm making is not do Whatever ministry you're doing now, do it forever. The point I'm making is that when you pick up the presence of the Lord, you carry it for life. Amen. Yeah. The priest got to stand firm. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And what that means is that you never lose sight of the fact that your life is not for you. It's not your own. You've been bought with a price. It means that you never lose sight of the fact that you live not for yourself but for others. He died for all so that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again. I don't live for myself anymore. My life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. And I cease to be a priest at the very moment where I lay hold of the blessing for me. And that's all I see it for. This for me. This for me and mine. Y'all going to have to get your own. The priest is never satisfied to get a personal blessing. 
I'm going to stand in the midst of that river until the people of God cross over. I'm going to stand in the midst of that river, and I know that there's people on my watch. Whatever God blesses me with, I know there's people under my watch that are supposed to cross through that Jordan before I cross out of it. If God gives you a financial breakthrough, stand in that river and look to God and say, now who else is supposed to cross over this river before I come out? I'm not going to stop praying because I got mine. If God heals your body, stand in that river until other people get healed. Who else needs to cross through this river? I'm not leaving this river till other people cross over. I'm not leaving nobody behind. It's never just for you. That's the priest. That's the work of the priest. The people don't cross over until the priests stand firm, steadfast, immovable. I'm not moving. There's people under my watch. And God, listen, God is able to give you wisdom to know who's under your watch. God will give you wisdom to know who's following you, who's watching you. God will give you wisdom. Jesus said, for their sake, I sanctify myself. Jesus was saying to the Father, they're watching me. You gave me 12, and this 12 are watching me. And I'm going to stand in my watch, and I'm going to walk through whatever i got to walk through until those 12 cross over. God spoke that so strong to me and my wife in the beginning. So strong. And he keeps speaking it to us at every turn. He tells us all the time, you tell the church to watch your life. You tell the church to watch what happens to you. It's a prophetic sign. I've set you up as a prophetic sign so that when the people of God see you walk through hardship. I remember when we lost our house to foreclosure in 2011. God worked miracles for us to buy this place in 2007, 45 minutes before the bottom fell out of the housing market. You ever have one of those, you know, talks with Jesus where you're like, what happened there? Thanks a lot. Thanks for looking out for a brother. You know, I thought I, thought I was special. I thought you favored me. I thought I was the son of your right hand. I thought, you know, this could happen to all these other fools, but not to me. I'm a man of God. I'm a prophet to the nations. You don't let that happen to the prophet. You let it happen to everybody else. And God spoke to me and said, oh, no, 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 no. There's a whole bunch of folks in your church that are getting ready to walk through this. I'm sending you ahead of them. But they're going to watch you walk through foreclosure without losing your faith. They're going to watch you walk in the joy of the Lord through this hardship. And they're going to watch me bless you on the other side. So you go tell the church. And we, you know, we're tempted. We're always saying, let's not tell nobody about this. This is so embarrassing. Let's not tell nobody about it. All you need is Sonny to preach one Sunday and y'all know everything. We ain't got no secrets. She'll tell you all about what happens in the bathroom, the bedroom, everything. Just tells everything. No secrets. I used to be embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed anymore. She's so like, well, that's just her. That's the miracle God gave her. She just, that's, the, that's her ministry. Transparency, vulnerability. But why? The Lord told us, you tell the church what you're going through. You tell them. You tell them. And then you tell them, you watch us. It was the same thing when we were barren and couldn't, give birth, couldn't, couldn't conceive a child. Tell the church. You tell the church. You're a prophetic sign. You're not just, prophet, you're not just prophetic, but you're priestly. You're going to bear the burden of it, and you're going to walk in faith in the midst of it, and you're going to stand in the middle of that river and for the allotted time, yeah. and you're not going to move. Yeah. 
You're not going to move from your place until the miracle is done. And you're not going to move from your place until everyone who's supposed to cross over crosses over. And you saw us go through so many of those seasons. Earlier this year, the first of the year, actually, Bishop Robert Daniels called me up and said, Benjamin, you need a word from the Lord for yourself, for your church, and for your family. Call me back when you got it. I went to prayer that day, and immediately the Lord gave me the word for my family. The word was space. I called him back the next day. I said, the Lord said space, and I believe he's going to give our family a bigger house this year. He said, oh, yes, that's the word. Did I tell my wife? No. You know why I didn't tell my wife? Because she needs a plan. So if I tell her the Lord says this, her next question is going to be, so what's the plan? (laughs) So what are we going to do? I don't need a plan. I'm an Enneagram 7. I just believe. Like, oh, God's going to do it. She, no, 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 no. We need a plan. What is we going to do? So I just kept it in my, you know. <laughs> I was like, what we going to do is wait for the Lord. <laughs> so until I have a plan, I don't tell her what the Lord said. I just keep it to myself. <laughs> yeah, I just pray on it. Well, two months later, she comes in from a, a prayer walk, and she bursts into, we're having our nightly prayer meeting and our, our debrief, and she says, the Lord said to sell our house right now. I said, what? She said, the Lord said, put it on the market, sell it right now. And I said, oh, that's awesome, because the Lord told me he's going to give us a bigger house this year with bigger space. The Lord says space. He's given us space. And she goes, amen, that's God. Let's do it. So now we got a plan. See, the Lord gave me the promise, gave her the plan. (laughs) That's how we work together, see? Because God don't give me plans. He gives me promises. Y'all got to figure out the plan. That's why I got a staff. (laughs) I just come in. God says this. Now y'all figure out the plan. I don't know what to do. So we sold our house. We closed escrow in March, March 17th. We closed escrow, or April 17th, sorry. April 17th, we closed escrow. escrow. And since April, we've been looking for a new house. How many know that when God tells you he's going to give you something, you expect it right now? I thought the first house we walked into, we were going to be like, hallelujah. The pearly gates were going to open wide. The Red Sea was going to part. But instead, for seven months, we looked at house after house after house after house. And I was asking God for space. And I asked him specifically for a half acre. Give me a half acre. But in my heart, I said, but I'll take a quarter. (laughs) And then underneath that in my heart, I said, Give me 10,000 square feet, and, I, <laughs> and I'll thank you forever. <laughs> you see how we kind of negotiate with the Lord? Because, you know, he says space. I don't know what space means. That can mean a lot of things. So we start looking at houses, and we're looking at houses with a quarter acre, a half acre. Seven months go by. Last Friday, Sonny sends me this link on Zillow. It's a house in Concord with three acres. And I saw it, I'm like, wow, that's beautiful. And the next thing in my heart, underneath that place in my heart, that ain't going to (laughs) happen. That's too big, too much. Y'all can't do this. Because, you know, it says one thing. That's what's going on in the market right now. It says one thing. It'll say, you can get this house for $450. And then you get out there, and and it goes for $1.5 million. (laughs) You know, that's how it's going. I'm exaggerating. I got the gift of exaggeration. After dozens of houses that we toured, we go to this house on Monday, and we're walking through this house, and both of us at the same time are like, 
this is the place. 3.13 acres, situated up on a hill. Beautiful panoramic views in every direction. Any side of the house you're at is beautiful. Which way is the view? That way. We put an offer on the house Tuesday morning. We saw it Monday. We put an offer Tuesday morning. It was accepted Wednesday afternoon. We're in contract right now. I sat down to do my, my uh, gratitude, my, uh, what's it called, interactive gratitude. And the Lord spoke to me and said, all your life you believed that if you asked me for 10, I would give you two. And you've practiced that your whole life. Lord, please give me 10, and then I give you two, and you go, thank you, Lord, you're so gracious. But here you asked me for a half acre. You were willing to accept 10,000 square feet. And I gave you six times what you asked me for. You asked for a little, and I gave you a lot. And that's not just a one-time experience. Get ready, because that's your life from now on. That's your ministry from now on. That is the promise. And I'm telling you that today because that promise is for this house. That promise is for you. That promises for you, Amen. but we had to walk through what we walked through so we can stand in this river for you to cross yes. over. Yes. And you're a priest. You're a priest. The Bible talks about the priesthood of all believers. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're called to be a priest. The only difference between the priests and the non-priests in the New Testament church is who's willing to step into the role. It's not about spiritual maturity. It's not about how long you've been walking with God. Can you pray for the person next to you? You just stepped into a priestly role. Can you pick up a piece of church equipment and believe that this is a holy thing? Can you set up chairs and believe that you're setting up for people to encounter God and their lives to be transformed? You're a priest. Are you willing to be a carrier of the presence? You know, there's 60 priests that meet every morning for early morning prayer. You want to join that number? I'll see you tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. We've yeah. got this week is left. Yeah. Yeah. This weekend, Friday night, Saturday night, these are priestly meetings. Yeah. Yeah. This is time for the priests to come together. These aren't going to be seeker-sensitive services. There's going to be a lot of shondoing in the house yeah. on Friday night and Saturday night. These are going to be no-holds-barred services where we go after God and we seek the outpouring of the Spirit of God on this house. We're calling the priests, the priests to rise up. And you know what the priests are going to do this week? The priests are going to tighten up their fast this week. The priests are going to say, we're going to fast. I'm going to fast. I'm going to take it upon myself to be a carrier of the presence of God. I'm, when I come in there Friday night, I'm going to come in like this. Carrying the presence of God. Carrying the presence of God. And every time I come to church, I'm going to come like this. But you know what? It's not just when I come to church. When I come home to my family, I'm going to come walking in the door to the house like this. And when I go to my job, I'm going to come walking into my job like this. And when I go to Safeway, I'm going to walk through Safeway like this. I'm not just there to get groceries. I'm there to bring the presence into Safeway. I'm not just there to get my work done. I'm there to bring the presence into my workplace because I am a priest. Amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise. 
Come on, where's my help? Come on, come on, come on. Get up here. Get on that piano. Everybody stand up on your feet. Come on, give God one more shout of praise. We're crossing over, church, but the priests got to go first. The priests got to go first. The people are coming if the priests lead. The people are coming if the priests lead. And there's a whole community that's waiting. There's a community in El Cerrito waiting. There's a community in San Francisco waiting, but the priests have to go first. Now, listen, I know it's still COVID. I know COVID's not over. We have not done this, what we're about to do right now. We haven't done it in years, in, a, in more than a year, year and a half. Two, I don't know how long it's been. We're coming to the altar today. We're coming to the altar today. There's a sister, I believe it's you, that flew here to be here today. You've been joining us online. Where did you fly here from? Palm Desert, California. Flew all the way up here from Palm Desert. Just She said, I got to be here today. She's been joining us online. Yep, come on up. You can come on up to this altar area here. God's calling the priests to the altar. You feel a stirring of your heart. Come to this altar right now. The priests are going to come to the altar. Not to receive. The priests don't come to the altar to receive. They come to intercede. The priests don't come to receive something for themselves. They come to intercede. 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 I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Jeremy and Pastor Anna in San Francisco. Just lead them and lead them to the altar. Lead them to Jesus. We're going after Jesus today, church. When the priests lift up their voice, it's not for themselves. It's for the people. I'm going to be a carrier of the presence. Hallelujah.